0: King Podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We are coming to you this Wednesday evening, the 8th of December, as we continue our midweek Advent Vespers series. Last week, we covered uh, the mystery of marriage, covering the institution of marriage itself. Tonight, we will look within marriage at husbands. Next week, we'll be looking at wives as we wrap up the series, but this week we're looking at husbands. And also, we'll be looking at how does what you confess about marriage also confess what you say about Christ and the church, because the two are connected. So, that will be covered tonight as well. With that, though, let's go ahead and turn to our Vesper service and the opening hymn Comfort, Comfort, Ye My People. Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. O Lord, build for us the house, and keep the city. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb in his reward." As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O Lord, build for us the house, and keep the city. The epistle for this second Midweek Advent series, Vespers, on marriage, is in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the 22nd verse. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, being himself the Savior of the body. Now, as the church is subject to Christ... So let the wives also be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself gloriously, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without defect. Even so... Husbands also ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord also does the church, because we are members of his body, of his flesh and bones. For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, then the two will become one flesh. This mystery is great." and I speak concerning Christ and of the church. Nevertheless, each of you also love his own wife even as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Out of Zion the perfection of beauty God hath shined. Our God shall come, and shall not keep silence. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me, by sacrifice. Alleluia! The powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. Alleluia! The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. The Book of the Genealogy of Jesus, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac became the father of Jacob. Jacob became the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron. Hezron became the father of Ram. Ram became the father of Amminadab. Amminadab became the father of Nashon. Nashon became the father of Salmon. Salmon became the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of King David. David became the father of Solomon, by her, who had been Uriah's wife. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam became the father of Abijah. Abijah became the father of Asa. Asa became the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat became the father of Joram. Joram became the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jotham. Jotham became the father of Ahaz. Ahaz became the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh. Manasseh became the father of Ammon. Ammon became the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel became the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel became the father of Abuud. Abuid became the father of Eliakim. Eliakim became the father of Azor. Azor became the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Akam. Akam became the father of Iliud. Iliud became the father of Eleazar. Eleazar became the father of Mothan. Mothan became the father of Jacob. Jacob became the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary from whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations, from David to the exile to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the carrying away to Babylon to the Christ, fourteen generations. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was like this. After his mother, Mary, was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example, intended to put her away secretly. But when he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "'Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to yourself Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit.' She shall give birth to a son, you shall name him Jesus, for it is he who shall save his people from their sins. Now all this has happened, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall give birth to a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is, being interpreted, God with us. Joseph arose from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took his wife to himself, and didn't know her sexually until she had given birth to her firstborn son. He named him Jesus. Here ends the Gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. And a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. In his days shall Judah be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.32, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery, this sacrament, is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the Church. Well, we heard this last week. Marriage, says St. Paul, is a profound sacrament. Marriage, if you recall from last week, is the image of God in the creation of mankind as male and female, which is fulfilled by Christ and the Church. So yes, as we heard last week, Marriage is a profound mystery, a profound sacrament. Not a profound sacrament in the sense that you need to get married in order to be united with Christ for your salvation. No, not that. But marriage is a profound sacrament in the sense that marriage is the sacramental life of the Christian, in which, by baptism into the church, we are wed to Christ. We are made one in spirit with him, so that his spirit is our spirit, just as his flesh and blood is ours in the sacrament of the altar. And in this marriage of Christ and the church comes life eternal. For by the word of Christ is the womb of the church, the font, made pregnant. And from the womb of the font is where we see the faithful, the saints, born in the birth of the spirit. So important is this profound mystery of marriage that we need to understand that what we say about marriage and how we live marriage in this life is what we also confess about Christ and the church. Again, this is not to say that you must get married for your salvation. It's, It's not that. As Christ says, to some, God has blessed the married life. And to others, God has blessed a life of being single. That's what we're blessed with in this life, one or the other. But all of this is to say, that what we teach about marriage and how we live our marriages will directly impact what we confess about Christ and the Church. It will directly impact what we confess about our salvation and if we are faithful to the Word of God. For if Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, if marriage was created and started through Christ and then fulfilled by Him, How could the teaching of marriage not also be the teaching of our salvation, and vice versa? The world, of course, will never understand this. The world will always degrade marriage and trample upon it, even though it is a gift from God above. And look what the world does to marriage. In some circles, it degrades marriage to a mere piece of paper, rather than seeing marriage as God giving a man and a woman to each other and making them one flesh. So much does the world despise, despise marriage that it calls the fruit of that marriage, it calls children, nothing but bad for the environment. Not a blessing, but a curse to the environment. So much does the world despise marriage that the governments of the West, of Western cultures, those governments will side with a spouse that wants a divorce, rather than siding with the spouse that wants to keep the marriage intact. In fact, It will make the spouse who wants to keep the marriage intact, it will make that spouse pay for trying to keep the marriage alive. But that's not all, really. In those places is where the world only begins to despise marriage. Rather than believing Christ when he says marriage was always from the beginning to be male and female, the world instead believes it can craft marriage after its own image, so instead of he created them male and female in the image of God, to the world, marriage and sexual relationships are reduced merely to sexual pleasure. So if you can have sexual pleasure in a same-sex relation, the world says that could be marriage. If you want to have sexual pleasure and being married to multiple people, the world has before, and it probably will soon again say, that could be marriage. If you want to have sexual pleasure without marriage, the world says marriage is not needed. And in fact, the world goes after those of us who would proclaim otherwise. That marriage is needed for all of this. Marriage of a man and a woman. The world has despised marriage so much that it's not only that they just reject he created them male and female. But instead, the world says, male and female as you choose to be or any of the other 70-some genders we've created this last decade. Now, meditate within yourselves on this what the world confesses and teaches about marriage, is that what you would want to confess about Christ and the church? Would you want to confess that Christ and the church is merely a few empty words rather than the all-powerful, all-creating word of God? Would you want to confess that divorce would be okay for Christ and the church, that Christ should, if he wanted to for himself, be able to leave the church at any time he wanted for any reason he wanted? Would you want to confess that Christ and the church should not have too many children? Because the giving of such eternal life to so many would be irresponsible. Would you want to confess that Christ and the church could be a same-sex marriage? Because if that is the case, then the giving of new life in the waters of baptism, that would be impossible. For such a marriage is unfruitful. It can't have children. A household of faith, a church, would not exist with such a marriage between Christ and the church. In such a marriage, the sacrament of the altar would not be a blessing between Christ and his church, but it would be an abomination, as the Old Testament calls such sexual relationships. In such a marriage, a same-sex marriage of Christ and the church, if we were to say that's what it is, then the word of God does not produce life, but brings only curses to such abominations. Again, would you want to confess that Christ and the church could be either the man or the woman as they so please, rather than in the strict image of God? If they could just reverse roles, who then would be the head? From where would salvation come? If Christ was to be the woman and the church the man, would you dare say that the church needed to be Christ's head and savior? Perish the thought. No. You see, what you confess about marriage is what you confess about Christ in the church. It's what you confess about your salvation. At stake is your salvation. To deviate from the teaching of marriage as male and female created in the image of God is to deviate from the faithful teaching of Christ who fulfills that image of God in marriage for your salvation. To deviate from the teaching of Christ would be to separate ourselves from our very salvation. You see, this is not a game. This is the profound and great sacrament of marriage. This is everything. Which is why, as we look at the profound sacrament of marriage, we must look at the male and female, the husband and wife of marriage. And tonight, we do just that we look at the office of the husband and father. Next week, at the office of the wife and the mother. And tonight, we hear St. Paul say to husbands, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. We heard last week that woman was created from the rib of man, so that man ought to love the woman as he cares for the rib with his arm over her as he guides, protects, and provides for her. That is how husbands, men, were created to act in the image of God. But in the fall, all of that was lost, forgotten. And look at how quickly it was lost. The minute God confronted man, the man gave up his own wife, trying to send his wife back to God. Adam forgot right away after the fall. What a gift this woman was and how he, in the image of God, was to love her. Where, then, are we husbands to turn in order to know how to love our wives in the image of God? We see it in how Christ, the second and perfect Adam, loved the church. And here is how Christ loved her, by totally and completely sacrificing himself for her in his great humility. That is love. And we so often think of this as his death on the cross. And indeed it is. Yet our Lord died for his bride just as he lived for her as well. Everything he did in life and death was in humility for her. He put himself underneath her. Everything he did, everything he said was for her. It was never for himself. He lived and died sacrificing his complete self for her. And why? so that by emptying himself, as he did when the blood and the water poured out of him, she may be cleansed. And she was cleansed so that Christ may have her for himself in splendor, so that he may have her without spot or wrinkle. He emptied himself so his bride, the church, could be set apart, be made holy without blemish for him. So he could look at her, his church, and then say, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones and spirit of my spirit. That's how Christ loved the church. And this is what it means for you husbands. First and foremost, hear from that how Christ loved you. You had plenty of spot and blemish before Christ came to you, you husbands. A bit ago, we heard from Matthew 1 and all the fathers in the faith, those from the Old Testament, But as you heard that list of those fathers in the faith, did you hear the sins that was also included? For all those in that list committed sins of forsaking their wives out of fear for their own lives. They committed sins of polygamy. They committed sins of hating one wife for another. They committed sins of incest and prostitution. They were in slavery, broken in slavery. They committed sins of adultery, of affairs, of murder and lies. This list included men that were led by their wives into adultery, repeating the sin of Adam. This list included kings hating their people and falling from grace. The spots and blemishes of those men in Matthew are our blemishes as well. The sins they committed, we husbands have committed as well. And yet, what did Christ do? He gave himself for you In a total and complete sacrifice. In his life, he lived for you. In his death, he died for you. As he completely poured himself out, he cleansed you from the water and blood out of his side, so that you, dear husbands, may be created anew without spot or blemish, so you may be set apart as one who is free, as one who is Christ's very own. As you husbands carry the heavy mantle within the headship of marriage, never forget whose you are, in whose image you now live. As Christ loves you, husbands, and is your head, so you now are free to love your wives and be her head. Give and sacrifice yourself for her completely as Christ did for you. And to sacrifice, to die for her, may mean someday taking a bullet for her. But what it also means is to put put her life above yours. To always put her cares, needs, and wants above your own. Often, marital strife arises when we husbands or wives begin to look and think, Oh, that's not fair for me, or what does that mean for me? As we start to think of ourselves above our spouses. But in Christ, we ought always to put our spouse above ourselves. We ought always to think, How will this affect my wife? And what does this mean for her? And where we fail to act in this image of Christ, may we confess our sins to our wives And may we always look to Christ to forgive us, to wipe away all spots and blemishes. Again, may we husbands always remember how Christ loved us. He loved us as he loved his own body, of which he has made us a part. Same thing, husbands, to your wives. Love her as your own body, with whom God has made you one flesh. Don't hate her and love yourself. Don't imprison her in a difficult marriage or abuse her. Make her free as Christ has made you free, free to love you as Christ has made you free to love him. Treat your own body, which includes your life, in love, as Christ treats you and his own body in love. As Christ loves his church by guiding, protecting, and providing for her in the word and sacraments where he makes her clean, likewise, husbands, do this for your wives. Protect her under your arm under the roof of your house. Provide for her, which is why we husbands, it's why we work, it's why we have careers. Guide her by praying with her at home and remove any obstacles that would interrupt that prayer. Cleanse her by being eager to forgive her. Remembering always that her lot in the marriage, her position in the marriage, her responsibilities of submissiveness to you, respect to you, her role as the weaker vessel, Remember always that that is not always an easy yoke. That does not always feel like a light yoke, just as your yoke as husband does not always feel light either. Make sure your bride is always cleansed by bringing her to church every Sunday. Every opportunity you get, bring her to church so that there in church she may receive always the word and forgiveness of her Savior and your Savior. So she may always receive the flesh and blood of her Savior and yours. But husbands, this can't happen unless you bring her from your dining room table, your altar of the home, to the Lord's table, the altar of his church. See the love of Christ for his church and see how the church loves Christ in return and see how in this union of spirit comes the birth of the spirit of many in the font, the womb of the church. May you desire likewise for your marriage to be fruitful. And if, in this fallen world, your marriage cannot be fruitful naturally, consider making your marriage fruitful by way of adoption. Because, husbands, it is only by loving your wife as Christ loved the church that you are able to pour your marriage into your children. It is only by loving your wife as Christ loved the church that you are able to raise children in the fear of the Lord at home. It is the only way you are able to bring your children to Christ in baptism and catechesis. All of this is living in the image of Christ and the church. (laughs) But oh, what a heavy burden all of this seems. Understand, everybody, what a tall order this is for the husbands. Or how can anyone follow the example of Christ purely, without utter failure? How can anyone follow the example of Christ without great sin and shortcomings? The yoke upon husbands is great and heavy. The task given to husbands is impossible with just their sinful flesh. Just like an ugly stain on a beautiful shirt, so shows the sins of the husbands and fathers because they are heads of the family. And you husbands and fathers, you know and feel this all too well in a world that calls the masculinity of Christ toxic, in a world that often confuses true Christological masculinity for the masculinity of the cold-hearted meathead at the gym. In such a world, it can be easy to degrade husbands who are to be the head of the marriage and the home, who so often fail. And for husbands, the guilt from our shortcomings can be overwhelming and even, at times, paralyzing. And yet, still, within marriage, look what the Lord does through the husband and the father. Through him, the Lord builds a house, where through the husband, the Lord provides and protects and guides. And with that house, through the headship of the father and the husband, the Lord protects us under the government that he ordains. Through the husband, through his headship, the Lord sets up the kingdom of the left for our good so we can live faithfully in peace and quietness. And also, through the headship of the husband, in the image of Christ, is built the office of the pastor, which is why pastors are often called Father, Pastor McGinley or Father McGinley, because their authority comes from the office of the husband and father of the home on which the church is built. And as the Lord uses the husband and father to feed and protect the family at home, so the Lord uses the pastor and the church to feed and protect us, his Christians, his baptized, at his altar from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Through the husband, the Lord sets up the kingdom of the right for our salvation, so we may be wed to Christ in baptism, so that we may eat of his flesh and blood of the altar and look forward to the day of the resurrection where we will one day rise again in and by his flesh and blood. It is a heavy burden. Yet always remember, husbands, how Christ loved you and died for you. And never forget, families, your husband and father is one for whom Christ died as well. Dear husbands, where you fail, seek Christ's forgiveness. And in his forgiveness, we husbands, we have no reason to be anxious For the Lord will provide through us as he deems it. To you husbands is given the gift of wife and children, and to you wives and children is given the gift of the husband and the father. The man who is faithful to the image of God fulfilled in Christ and the church, the man who is faithful in sacrificing himself for his wife and pouring out his marriage into his children, will not be put to shame. The world will hate you, but the world does not know him who loves you. It does not know him who has blessed you in all these things. The world does not know him who has saved you in the image of Christ in the church. But we know him. We know him in the sacrament of marriage. That is, we know him in the sacramental life. We are wed, where we are made a part of the church wed to him in baptism. The church to which he always gives his flesh and blood at the altar. In him may we always find our salvation. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Blessed art thou, O Mary, for that thou hast believed, and that there shall be a performance in thee of those things which were told thee from the Lord. Alleluia.
1: My soul doth
0: Blessed art thou, O Mary, for that thou hast believed, and that there shall be a performance in thee of those things which were told thee from the Lord. Alleluia. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, and greatly to be praised and glorified forever. Bless we, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We praise and magnify him forever. Blessed art thou, O Lord, in the firmament of heaven, and greatly to be praised and glorified and highly exalted forever. The Almighty and Merciful Lord, bless and preserve us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Stir up our hearts, O Lord to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, so that by his coming we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Dear Father, you have vouchsafed unto the husbands here, wives and children, house and home, For these we plead your promises, and for your sake may these husbands go before their wives and children in the way. Make it the desire of every husband, therefore, so far as in them lies, to do whatever may lead their families aright. And when all does not go according to these husbands' desires, may they pray for patience to submit, and let the outcome be according to the proverb, Come what may, as God will, so will I go. If all goes well, may we husbands render praise unto you, O Lord, for it is after all not the care of the husband, nor the work, nor the toil, nor labor of the husband, but of your gift and grace when things go aright. We pray to you that by your help and grace all things may go right within our houses and homes. Lord God, you have granted that the men married here should be husband, and have given these men wives. We stand in this world, in this weak flesh and blood, surrounded by devils and them that disturb all conjugal fidelity and love. Therefore, remove not the blessing of marriage from us, nor let any offense come between any man and his wife. Let all disturbances be turned far from us, that all harm may be avoided and finally overcome, by the gracious blessings with which you have deigned to surround the marriage bond. O loving God, the comforter of all who sorrow, even of those men who have lost the dearest of earth's treasures, their wives, and those men that may feel as if you have torn from them a part of their own heart, yet let these widowers believe that all this has not come to pass without your knowledge or permission, that you gave these widowers their lives and did permit them to have their wives for a time. And you have again taken their wives from this estate of sorrow unto yourself. For as they followed their husbands to church, these wives also acknowledged your son and called upon him. Comfort all our sorrowing and distressed widowers, and help them to bear their grief. If any widower have little children help him to raise his children. And vouchsafe unto every widower and all their late wives a gracious day, when they shall be reunited in new joys and everlasting love before your face, before you, who can turn our sorrows into eternal joy and pleasure, glorified forevermore. Almighty God, gracious Father, who has called men here to be housefathers for the sake of your Son, unto whom all the household of your Christian people is commended. We beseech you, grant to these men's and husbands wisdom, that they may govern their wives, children, and all under their care, with Christian charity, and bring them up in all good order and admonition of your word. Bless the lives of these men, and cause your beloved angels to watch over their homes." Unless you build the house and bless our labor and industry, all our care and labor is in vain. Help us, O Father, through Jesus Christ. Unto you, O Lord God Almighty, do we this day commend our bodies and souls, all our goods, our wives, children, fathers, mothers, and all our thoughts and words, our hearts, our ambitions, and all our purposes. Again, we commend unto you also our tongue and all our words, all our acts also we commend, that the same may serve unto your honor and the welfare of our fellow men. Let us be this day vessels of your grace and instruments of your mercy. Bless all our understandings, make our business to prosper, and prevent everything that could hinder these things. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast so graciously protected us this day, and we beseech thee to forgive us all our sins and the wrong which we have done, and by thy great mercy, defend us from all the perils and dangers of this night. Thank you for joining us for this midweek Advent Vesper service. Feel free to join us this Sunday also as we celebrate the third Sunday in Advent with a Matin service. That'll be about 8.45 and we'll release that podcast. And feel free to join us also next week as we wrap up our midweek Advent series as we focus on wives. That'll be next week, December 15th at around 6.15. We'll release that podcast. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.